Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Somebody, let's worship the risen Savior. He has never lost a battle. And he's not going to start today losing battles. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. But you are in the right place at the right time. Serving a risen Savior that says, I have never lost a battle. I have not seen, ear has not heard, what God has in store for you in your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your power and presence. We are not here to worship a dead Savior, an historical figure. We're here to worship a living Savior who has never lost a, a battle. You are on the winning side today, and we thank God. Put your hands together one more time. Give it a little praise for the victory that's in the house today. Indeed, it's my distinct honor and privilege to be here with you at Living Hope with Pastor Staten and Sister Staten and their family. They are legends, not just in the church that God's allowed them to build here, but in the work they do for the kingdom of God around the world and through a movement. Let's give your pastor and his family a hand and thank God for what he is doing in their lives. An honor to be here with all of you here today on this Easter Sunday. I know today we're going to have a good time because the adults are full of donuts and the kids are full of candy. Nobody's going to sleep. Everybody's going to be alert and getting with me today and excited. Between the coffee and the sugar, you should be just fine. As we stand together, going to look in the word of the Lord today. The book of Mark chapter 15 and 16, book of 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read a few more verses than I normally do. Just to take the time to lay the, amen, proper foundation. The worship team was just amazing this morning. We thank God for their anointed ministry and ministering to us. Second, let me start with Mark chapter 15 and verse 46. And he brought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, beheld where he was laid. Chapter 16, verse 1, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. They said among themselves, Who shall roll away this stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Second Kings chapter 4 and verse number 20. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. 
And she went up and laid, on the bed, laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Verse 32, when Elisha was coming to the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went up in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, his hand upon his hands, and stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro, and went up and stretched himself upon him, and the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he said, Gehazi, and said, Call the Shumanite. So he called her, and when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. Then she went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. And for a few moments today, I'm going to preach on the topic of the witness of an empty tomb. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Let us receive your word to be more like you and receive your witness in our spirit today. Put your hands together one more time as you're seated. I fear too many times we don't get the full benefit of the impact of Scripture because we tend to read Scripture through the lens of history because we know how the story ends. In the Bibles, there are many times it would be beneficial for us to read Scripture and take away the lens of history. Yeah, but no other time it will be beneficial to me than reading about the death and the burial uh, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, I ask you this morning to try to put yourself in the footsteps of those that were there that day at the foot of the cross. Uh, think of his mother Mary. Uh, this was her miracle child uh, that was given to her by God. Uh, think of his disciples that gave up their entire lives. Uh, they gave up their businesses. They gave up their finances. Uh, they forsook all to follow Jesus. Uh, and now they sat at the foot of a cross uh, and watched him die. Uh, think of Mary Magdalene, uh, her who had been a prostitute and full of devils. Uh, and Jesus was the one that gave her hope uh, and purpose and deliverance. Uh, think how they must felt uh, sitting at the cross uh, and watching their Savior take his last breath. Imagine the disappointment. Imagine the confusion. Uh, imagine the questions uh, that were swirling through their minds uh, about what would happen next. And as they watched him die, a rich man named Joseph went to the leaders and said, let me have his body. Uh, Isaiah 53 and 9 had prophesied that he would be assigned a grave with the wicked uh, and with the rich in his death. And Joseph took him off that cross. And Nicodemus came alongside of Joseph. Uh, and they took Jesus' body to a nearby tomb. Uh, and the Bible says Nicodemus, he was a wealthy man. Uh, he brought a hundred pounds of spices to anoint the body of Jesus. Uh, I've read and I've heard that that hundred pounds of spices would be worth over $100,000 today. Uh, and so Joseph and Nicodemus, and they took the body of Jesus uh, and put him in that tomb uh, and began to wrap him in fine linen and began to anoint his body with these spices uh, because in those days they did not uh, uh, embalm bodies. And in order to keep the decay and the smell of death uh, from, from 
from coming so quickly. They would layer the spice upon that dead body in order to keep the smell in. Now, there was no doubt that Jesus was dead. Every system and authority declared him to be dead. Uh, the judicial system condemned him to death. Uh, the legal system argued for his death. Uh, the soldiers stood watch at the tomb uh, to make sure he was dead. Uh, the medical system watched him give up the ghost. Uh, the court of public opinion cried out, crucify him and let Barabbas go. Uh, his own family watched at the bottom of the cross. Uh, as he took his last breath, uh, there was no idea that he could be alive. He was definitely dead. And Mary, his mother, and Mary Magdalene followed that body to the tomb. And they watched Nicodemus and Joseph wrap that body in a, and anoint that body in spices. So you may wonder why the next morning were they returning to anoint his body a second time. I believe they just didn't do it right. You know how it is us men, we try to do something. And your wife said, well, you didn't do that right. You know, I've been married 32 years, and I still can't make the bed right. I remind them, you know, in a few hours, we're going to pull these covers back down. You know, they don't, they don't have to be perfect. You know, and it's a few hours, we're going to be back in here again. Going, but, you know, just, they sat back and said, wait a minute. They did not, you know, anoint him right. They did not wrap him right. They spent $100,000 worth of spices. But, ladies, let's go to the market tonight. Let's do it right tomorrow. And they came the next day to the sepulcher. And they came for just one reason. They weren't looking for a resurrection. They weren't looking for hope. They weren't looking for life all they were looking for is there a way that we can take this decaying dead promise and get it from smelling bad or getting any worse. And I propose to you today on this Easter Sunday, uh, there are some of you that walked into living hope today. Uh, you didn't really come looking for hope. Uh, you didn't really come looking for life. Uh, you didn't really come expecting a change. Uh, but you just thought perhaps this decay and death in my life, uh, this marriage that is over uh, this pain that won't go away that perhaps I can just wrap it up a little bit uh, and so it doesn't smell as bad uh, it's not as decayed as it used to be you didn't expect nothing to really change but just thought maybe we can just make a smell a little bit better for a little while but they had one great big obstacle before them most of us would not even have tried to go to the tomb that morning uh, because Joseph had rolled a stone uh, that weighed over 1,000 pounds in front of that tomb, and he had sealed it. Uh, and after they got the spices and came up with their plan, uh, on their way there, they said, but who is going to roll away the stone? Uh, that stone, that weight uh, that's going to be in their way, and they had no idea what they were going to do. Uh, I propose to some of you this morning uh, that you almost stayed home uh, because of the stone and the weight of life uh, that's in your life. Uh, you said to yourself, what's the point of going to church uh, on Easter Sunday? I've got this weight. I've got this stone. I've got this thing that's wearing me down. What's the weight of going to church? Uh, but much to your surprise, uh, when you walk in the door of the church uh, and you got that cup of coffee and that thorn in your hand, something began to lift in your spirit. Uh, what had you so burdened? What had you so down? Just by the fact that they showed up, uh, the stone was taken away. 
And some of you today, you came in way down. You came in with a stone in your life. But as the worship went on, it got lighter. As the singing went on, it got lighter. As the praise went on, it got lighter. Let me challenge you with something. I thank God the fact that the stone is being lifted. But if you don't let God touch your life today, if you don't let the resurrected Savior take over your life today, by the time you get on that sidewalk after church, the devil's got the stone ready to put back on your back. He don't mind if you come to church for two hours on Easter Sunday and feel good, feel light, and feel free. But the moment you step outside that door, he's waiting with the same rock you used to carry. But I've come to tell somebody today uh, that the rock can be moved. Uh, the tomb can be empty. Resurrection can happen. Uh, don't just come in and let the weight be lifted. I've come to tell you about the witness of the empty tomb. So as they came closer to the tomb that day, they were prepared for a dead body, a decaying body, the smell of rotting flesh. Uh, they expected to walk in and not know what state of decomposition that he was in. Uh, but guess what? When they got into that tomb, you know what they found? They found nothing. See, we don't like that word nothing. So that word nothing gets you in trouble. There's nothing worse than you as a parent. You got your kids in the next room. And you hear a big crash, the house almost fell apart. You say, Johnny, what's going on? Nothing. You better get in there pretty quick because something's going on. You know, God gave men a gift that women don't have. See, I can stare at the ceiling for hours thinking, how did they call this popcorn ceiling? It don't even look like popcorn. My wife says, what are you thinking about? I say, nothing. And she thinks, I'm hiding something. No, I, I'm, I'm really thinking about nothing, dear. But, you know, when your wife tells you she's going to the mall, what are we going to get, honey? I'm not looking for nothing. Don't believe that. <laughs> she knew what she wanted before she left home. You'll find out soon enough. We don't like that word nothing. But let me tell you something about that word nothing can be powerful. Uh, when the doctor looks for the cancer and says, you know what? I don't know why, uh, but I see nothing. Uh, when the bank looks at your credit report and say, I don't know why, but I don't see nothing negative here. I've come to tell somebody today that we serve a God that can take where used to be death and decay, where death is supposed to live, and replace it with life. And then there is nothing because if any man be a Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. I've come to tell you where the there should be death, there is life. Uh, where there should be divorce, there is restoration. Uh, where there should be shame, there is peace. Uh, where there should be guilt, there is forgiveness. Uh, where there should be bankruptcy, there is prosperity. Where there should be hopelessness, there is hope. See, see, some of you are struggling with the change that God is making in your life. Uh, it is hard for you to believe that you are forgiven. 
because of all of your mistakes, uh, all of your shortcomings, uh, all your pain, all your shame, all your addictions. Uh, you know, you say something has got to be there. Uh, but the book of Psalms 103 lets me know, uh, as far as the east is from the west, uh, and so far has God removed your transgressions away from you. I've come to tell you that the witness of an empty tomb is when God takes out death and God takes out sin and God takes out shame and you are changed as a new creature. We don't deserve it. We deserve to pay the price. We deserve to have the shame. We deserve to carry that guilt. But in an empty tomb, there was nothing. Let me explain something to you. See, some of you wonder, you say, well, if God delivered me, preacher, how come I still have those temptations? Some of you have been delivered from stuff for a long time. Used to be an alcoholic, drug addict, sexual addictions in your life. And now you've been saved and sanctified. Uh, but sometimes those old thoughts come back. And the devil says, you know what? Have you really changed? Uh, are you really a new creature? Uh, well, let me explain to you how it works. You know, when an air traffic controller is in, in, in his station, he's looking at a screen. Uh, he sees little blips on the screen. Well, the blips on the screen represent a plane. And when that plane crashes, uh, the air traffic controller has no idea what happened to the plane, has no idea what made it go down. All he can say is, the last time I saw the plane, it was here. Here's the blip of where it was the last time I saw it. So to find this plane, go to this area and search for it. Uh, when the blood of Jesus Christ uh, was applied to your life, uh, you went off the devil's screen. Uh, the devil can't see you no more. There is nothing there where you used to be. And that's why years later, he will come and try to bring back the same temptation. He will come and try to bring the same thought. It don't mean you haven't been saved. It don't mean you haven't been changed. Just the last time you were on his screen, that's who you were. But guess what, honey? You've been saved. You've been sanctified. You are a new creature. You say, get thee behind me, Satan. I got the witness of an empty tomb. There is nothing there that used to be there. The pain is gone. The shame is gone. The sin is gone. I am new in Christ. There's an empty tomb where there used to be death and decay. This is what separates Christianity from every man-made religion. Every man-made religion, the Savior that started that religion, he died and he stayed dead. But in Christianity, not just did our Savior die and come back to life, but he has given that resurrection power to all of us. Because when you read a man-made book of religion, it's about good people doing good things and getting good results. You will find no man-made book of religion with a Mary Magdalene at the cross. No man-made book of religion where Paul, the murderer, the persecutor that went around killing innocent Christians, uh, could become a chief apostle. You'll find no man-made book of religion where David could commit adultery and murder and still be called a man after God's own heart. You know why that is? Because man-made books of religions, they don't know how to live with prostitutes. They don't know how to save murderers. Uh, they say they're due to die, but in the power of the cross, uh, in the power of the resurrection, uh, he said, 
says, guess what? I can take what's dead. I can take what's messed up. I can take that sin, and I can make a new creature. So I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I can take whatever you have and make something out of it. See, most of you came to church today on Easter Sunday. You were prepared for the preacher to give you an historical perspective and understanding of the death of Christ upon the cross and the fact of an empty tomb. But I didn't come today to preach about an empty tomb that happened 2,000 years ago. I can't preach about tombs in your own life. Tombs you're dealing with today. Not just the tomb that was empty, but your tomb today. We read in 2 Kings chapter 4 about a lady. Some of you may have heard of her before called a Shumanite. Bible says she was a great woman. The man of God will walk by and say, come on, break bread with me and my husband. When she said, you know what, man of God, I'm tired of this passerby relationship. I'm going to build a room just for you. It's not going to be an Airbnb. Every traveler gets to stay there. It's just a place just for God in my life. When they looked at her and said, honey, what do you need from God? See, when you begin to make that room for God, you don't got to chase God down with a prayer request. And she said, I don't need nothing. I'm good. I live among my own people. I got a pocket full of money. I saw some of you think I'm good. But Gehazi said, sir, she don't have a child. She's barren. Her husband's old. She can't have a child. Man of God said, you're going to have a child this set time. She said, don't lie to me, man of God. I'm, I'm barren. My husband's old. I'll never have a child. But she had a child child was born as God got a promise but guess what happened what happened to so many promises one day the promise went with the father to work promise came home set my head my head Bible says she laid that promise across her knees and at noontime her promise died let her promise die if it must let it die on your knees the marriage ends let it end on your knees your wife leaves, leave on your knees. Business, let it die on your knees. Keep praying. Keep believing. Let it die on your knees. So now she sat there with a dead promise across her knees. And many of you have had dead promises across your knees. You're here today with your best Easter Sunday clothes on. Got your Pentecostal patty cake clap. Your Pentecostal smile. But inside of you something has died. A promise, a hope. All that she wanted was this baby boy. And now he was dead. What did she do with her dead promise? The Bible says she went up to the room she built for the man of God, laid a dead promise across her bed, and closed the door. And when she closed that door, that was as final a move as a thousand foot stone in front of the tomb of Jesus. What had been a room <laughs> made for worship? What had been a room made with sacrifice? What had been a room full of promise? What had built a room made for the man of God now became a tomb. And she laid the dead promise across that bed and shut the door. So I'm going to go find the man of God. Her husband said, honey, it's not a Sabbath day. It's not a feast day. You don't want to stay. I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for Wednesday. I got a tomb in my life now. I got a dead. I got death. The cake promise. I, this was my hope. This was my baby. This was my life. And it's gone. God is gone. I never thought my marriage would end, God. But he's gone. 
Never thought my wife would die, God, but she's gone. Never thought my kid would be in jail, God, but he's locked up. I never thought my business would fail, but it's gone. I had a promise, and it's gone. Put it in this room, laid upon the bed, and where had been life, hope, and purpose was now just a tomb. Found the man of God. He said, come. Told you don't lie to me. Look with me at verse number 34. He came into that room, verse 33. He shut the door and prayed unto Jehovah. Look what he did at verse number 34. He walked into that tomb that had been a room built for God. Saw a dead boy laying across that bed. Look what he did next. He laid upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth, his eyes upon his eyes, and his hands upon his hands. The hardest thing to do in a tomb is to wrap yourself around a dead promise. Nobody wants to be associated <laughs> with a dead promise. 5,000 followed Jesus in the wilderness and ate his loaves and fishes. But when he died upon that cross, where were they? Why the next morning just a handful of women went to the tomb? Twelve disciples followed Christ and said they followed. But when it came time to go to the tomb the next morning, where were they? Nowhere to be found because no one wants to be associated with a dead promise that's in a tomb. When you have the biggest losses in your life, even people at the church avoid you. They don't know what to say. Hey, did you hear? You know, I, I got a prayer request. Can you help me pray? So her husband just left. You know, we got these prayer requests that are just gossip sessions. When you see him at church, you don't, even want, you don't know what to say because you know what happened. You know that you know what the child did. You, 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 you know the husband walked out. And, and nobody wants to be associated. We're ashamed of dead promises. But I've come to tell you today that when the man of God walked into that room and all he had was a dead promise, he said mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand, I'm going to wrap myself around a dead promise because why? I'd rather have a dead promise from God than a biggest lie from the devil uh, because a dead promise from God can come back to life uh, but a lie from the devil it will never come true and some of you here today in your tomb situation the devil has you thinking about going back to where you used to be getting back that old boyfriend that old girlfriend going back to an old lifestyle but honey if all you have is a dead promise wrap yourself around that dead promise eye to eye, mouth to mouth, hand to hand, wrap yourself around it. Say, I may be in a tomb right now. I might be in a place right now of death and decay and destruction, but the God I serve is faithful to bring back to life. To bring back to life that what was dead. So in this tomb, the man of God just wrapped himself around it. Just wrapped himself around it. Didn't run from it. <laughs> Didn't deny it was dead. See, that's nothing we like to do. How you, oh, I'm good. No, you're not good. We're running because of the dead promise. But we serve a God that can bring it back to life. The Bible says at the end of that verse that the boy began to get warm. In verse 35, we'll begin to get, look what the man of God did next. He got up and began to walk around the house. 
wait a minute, man of God. I got a donkey and a little boy, and I came and found you in the field. And I brought you back here for just one reason, to fix my dead promise. To go inside that tomb that I closed the door. My husband will know about that door. My kids will know about that door. Man of God, did you go back and, 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 and fix that dead promise? But he's walking around the living room. The dining room, the kitchen. Man of God, get back upstairs and deal with the dead promise. Let me tell you something. When God gets ready to fix, he's going to fix everything. And some of you limit God to your area of greatest pain. You think you know where you want God to work. Because all of us would have said, where I need you at right now, man of God, is upstairs with my dead boy. But God says, I got to get in to fix everything. You can't limit God from where to work. And some of you limit God because God did not fix what you want God to fix. But the man of God said, wait a minute, honey. I got a dead boy to restore to life. But down here, I got a grieving mother that's full of doubt. I've got a father full of guilt that said I, I was too old and she couldn't have a baby. And now I killed him. He said, I'm going to fix his whole family. I'm going to fix his whole situation. I'm going to fix his whole house. Let God work and walk in your life. All of your life. See, some of y'all say, when I get the job, I'm going to live for God. When I get the car, I'm going to live for God. When my bills are paid, I'm going to live for God. Uh, when I take care of this eviction notice, I'm going to live for God. Honey, you can't wait. Tomorrow's not promising you. God needs to work all over in your life. Uh, I know right now you might have a dead promise, uh, but let God go to and fro and to and fro and see everything. Look at what happened next. After he got done walking around the house, verse 36, he went back to the room, and a miracle had happened. The promise had been restored. The boy was back to life. Let me tell you a key of the witness of an empty tomb. See, what we would have preferred to have happened when Jesus got up from the grave to do house-to-house -house visitation, send out a max test message. Say, hey, boys, I'm back. They thought they had me, but guess what, boys? I'm not dead anymore. We would have wanted to wake up that morning with a knock on the door and say, hi, hi Peter, hi, James, hi, John, yeah, Gotcha, April Fools, I'm back. But sometimes someone has that faith to go to a tomb to see that it's empty. And see, what I would have thought what Elijah would have done is said, Johnny, you're back alive. Go downstairs and give your mama a hug. That's not what happened. He said, Gehazi, go find the woman and bring her back here to what used to be a tomb. I can't imagine as she walked up those stairs to that room, every step got harder than the next. Because the last time she was in that room, all that was in that room was a dead promise laid across the bed. And her mind said, don't go back there. Don't go back there. Don't go back there. You can't see your baby like that anymore. Don't go back to that room. Uh, that's a tomb. Uh, that's where dead promises live. And, and some of you have parts of your life you refuse to go back to. You'll sing on the praise team. You'll minister, you'll preach, you'll drive the bus, you'll work in kids' ministry, you'll come to church. But God 
not that room. God, not that door. God, not that stone. God, not that place. Don't let me go back to that tomb, God. The last time I was there, it was death. Last time I was decay. And I know some of you today, I don't know your story, but some of you have suffered sexual abuse. Some of you have suffered physical abuse. Some of you have gone through some horrible things. And, and you ask God, God, how can you let that happen? It's because of the sin of someone else against you. Because man has free moral agency that sometimes people do things to hurt other people. And because of their sin, and their choice, it happens as hard as it is for you to believe it. You're here today because God was with you. I, I know you would prefer that not to have happened. But in the midst of that pain and that abuse and that suffering, something died inside of you. But God allowed you to still have life. God allowed you to still be here today. God allowed you to come through that today. And I've come to tell somebody today that God is calling you on this Easter Sunday to go back to your personal tomb, to go back to your personal room where death had been there before and open the door, roll away the stone, and dare to believe it will be different this time. My son is coming back to God. My daughter daughter will not be backslidden. My marriage can be restored. My finances can be put back together. It's time to go back to what used to be a tomb. <laughs> you say, but preacher, I, I don't want to go back to that room. Why do I got to go back? Because every time you get ready to do something great for God, all the devil has to do is point to that room. So remember last time you trusted God? Remember last time you're going to live for God? Remember last time you tried to do right and what happened? Remember last time, as long as that room is there with the door shut, uh, with death behind the door, with a tomb still in existence, all the devil has to do is point to that tomb. I've come to tell you that the disciples would not have turned the world upside down and all of Asia heard the gospel. If Christ had stayed inside that tomb, uh, that would have been the end of Christianity. But what gave them the power to do what God called them to do was because there was a witness of an empty tomb of where it used to be death. There was life. That's what gave them the power and I've come to talk to each and every one of you today on this Easter Sunday of the rooms in your life where your promise died. Uh, on the rooms in your life where your hope died. Uh, on the rooms in your life that you built for God and now all it holds is a dead promise. But as she walked up to that door and opened that door, she had no idea what was going to be behind that door. Was her son still going to be dead and laying across the bed? But much to her surprise, uh, when she opened that door this time around, he said, take up your son. And the Bible says she took up her son and went out that room. I've come to tell somebody today there's an empty tomb waiting for you to discover it. There's an empty tomb where there's healing for you. An empty tomb where your life has been changed. An empty tomb where you will never ever be the same today. You watch those videos and people share their testimony of what God has done for them and their marriage and their deliverance and I've come to tell you that, that same power is here for you this morning as we're staying together right now. The purpose of Christ dying upon the cross and rising from the dead was not to be a great history lesson for us to teach the children. It's to let you know that where was death can be life. 
when all of society said he was dead, it was over. No hope for him. He was crucified. He gave up the ghost. They laid him in a tomb, wrapped him up with fancy spices. But guess what? He was brought back to life. If that same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, it can live in you and quicken your body today, empower your body, and you can be brought back to life. As every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment, I came to preach to two people today. First, I came to preach to those who have not yet really given their life and heart to Christ, not yet been baptized in his name, filled with the Spirit. This Easter Sunday, it's a good time for you to be a follower of Christ. Don't just come to church and let your stone be lifted for two hours. Let your sins be washed in a watery grave of repentance. Don't leave here the same you came in. If you never received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, today is your day. But I also came to preach to some mothers that have some tombs in their life, doors they have closed, pain they have hidden away, circumstances they don't want to think about. That what got you thinking is never going to change. No, there's an empty tomb. The woman walked up those stairs and opened that door where it once been a dead promise was now a miracle. Right now, this altar is open. If you need to receive the Holy Ghost, if you need salvation, come. But also, if you need to just open the door. There's some marriages here. Husband and wife need to take hands and come down together. Don't, don't look around and wait who people are going to think because your marriage is going to be better. Don't worry about it. Come down. Some of you got some lost loved ones you're giving up hope on. Come down. Some of you got some pain in your life that no one knows about. Come down. Some of you got some tombs in your life that God wants to restore. Come down this Easter Sunday. Does he come down? She had, to, she had to go to the room. See, we want God to bring the room to us. No, she had to go to the room. They had to go to the tomb. It shows faith when you say, well, there should be death, but I'm going back to the room. Should be decay, but I'm going back to the room. There should be no hope. He should have been dead. He died on the cross. But when they got to the tomb, he was gone. This woman's son died on her knees. But when she went back to the room, that tomb, and opened the door, there was life. Come forward today. Let God put life where there was death. Let God put hope where there was no hope. Let God put peace where there was chaos. Trust him today. He died and rose from you to have power. There's a witness today of an empty tomb. And let God let that miracle happen for you right now as they sing. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.